Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's January 12th, 2023, and this is episode 95. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, MoviesPastAndPresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. Over the years, I've had mostly a hate, hate, uh, no love here, uh, for films from DreamWorks Animations. Uh, DreamWorks Animation Studios formed in 1994. They were part of the big, splashy DreamWorks uh, movie studio that film director and producer Steven Spielberg, former Disney executive Jeffrey Katzenberg, and music executive David Geffen founded and uh to build uh their animation studio uh, steven spielberg brought over artists from his london-based studio called amblimation uh jeffrey katzenberg recruited um i kind of think he you know pilfered is the term i use uh much of the top animation talent from uh walt disney studios and uh they uh, started uh, cranking out movies. So I think that much of the DreamWorks uh, studio content or the canon, whatever you want to call it, has been mediocre. They have, uh, you know, I think they're, they're mostly, I think their most popular franchise is the Shrek uh, or the Shrek films. Um, they but they also did some really fine work, you know. Uh, they did the the Prince of Egypt was one of their first animated features, which I think is just a gorgeous film. Uh, and I think that they've recently taken a turn for the better. The last couple of features that have come out of DreamWorks, I think, have been really great. Um, they had a, an animated comedy called uh, The Bad Guys, which. I thought was very funny. And then they uh, most recently in December of, of, of last year released another film within their kind of Shrek franchise, but it's uh, a Puss in Boots film uh, called Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which was, I thought, very good. So I thought it might be interesting to do a bit of a deep dive into DreamWorks, the DreamWorks animation catalog. Um, with their 43 films that they have uh, that they have released, and don't worry, we're not going to be talking about all four all 43 films. But uh, in this episode, I've invited uh, a couple of my good friends to to join in. Got Rachel Wagner, who is uh, a film critic and a big animation fan. Uh, you might know her from her Rachel's Reviews channel. And then my friend Darren Lundberg. Darren has a, a cool podcast called the uh, Nostal- Nostalgia Cast, and uh, does a lot of analysis and deep dives on uh, on various films and genres and time periods. And uh, all you know, also not knowledgeable about animation. And so I thought it would be interesting uh, for the three of us to 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 dissect the DreamWorks catalog a bit. And it's mostly talking about our 
our least favorite films. And frankly, that's that was hard to rank because I have quite a few of <laughs> my least favorite films. And then the top films, top films from DreamWorks, and then just an overall discussion about the studio. So um, I recorded that that uh, discussion a little earlier. So here is uh, my uh, uh, analysis of DreamWorks Animation with Rachel and Darren. Well, lucky me, I get the privilege of talking to two of my favorite movie friends <laughs> and just two of my favorite people. Uh, uh, Rachel Wagner from Rachel's Reviews. Hi, everyone. And uh, our good friend Darren Lundberg, who uh, <laughs> does the Nostalgia Cast podcast and is just a great uh, movie aficionado and friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. So nice to have you both on the podcast. And, you know, Rachel... I think this was years ago, but I think you asked if I might want to participate in a DreamWorks, um, you know, yeah, it, re- and then re- catalog review. Of... And I think I flat out said no. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Am I making that up, Rachel? Did that really happen? Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. I think I, there must have been some kind of, um, landmark or something like that that made me kind of want to do it and then i actually started a dreamworks uh canon watch on my blog but i kind of rarely i usually don't kind of give up on projects but i i must admit i i, did. <laughs> I didn't get through it all <laughs> trying times these dreamworks movies. Yeah. <laughs> these dreamworks movies <laughs> well and Darren, had you already watched most of these beforehand, or what was your how, how what was your take on on uh, on, on the DreamWorks <laughs> animation canon? Well, the problem I think, like DreamWorks, when it first starts off, you're like, oh, new new animation company, and so you're interested, and then you kind of settle into what their voice is or what their point is, and then when you start having kids, it's when you start watching everything, and so a lot of these have just been on like in the background, and I've. I guess, absorb them through osmosis, things like that. So, but yeah, there are some of these that we completely missed, like a spirit untamed. I was like, Oh, that exists. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I had to catch up with those. Yeah. I mean, I have to say though, actually, I mean, we joke, but they do have a lot of good movies. I mean, my yeah. top, my top 15, I actually quite like a lot. So. Yeah. When they're good, they're good. But I think the thing is when they're bad, <laughs> yeah. oh, they're bad. Yeah. They're really bad. <laughs> And, you know, and I came in to it with a huge uh, chip on my shoulder or just a huge grudge, mostly just because of my disdain for Jeffrey Katzenberg <laughs> and, and, you know, and how he left Dis- Disney with on, on pretty bad terms and then pilfered a lot of the Disney animators, you know, yeah. took him to this new company. And uh, anyway, it was not a great thing to be an observer of. And then when the films were so-so, I mean, some were, you know, brilliant, as we we're going to discuss, and some seem to me most of them weren't. And then particularly comparing their computer animation style and their color palette and their character design, et cetera, to that of Pixar's, I just thought there's just no comparison. You know, Pixar right. is just the far better studio. But then, you know, Jeffrey Casper's gone. 
and I've got to let it go. <laughs> you know, let my hatred go. Yeah. So you two dear friends are so kind to help me uh, throw out some good karma. Hopefully. <laughs> well, do you think that with Katzenberg, was it, was it Geffen and Spielberg that were kind of reining him in? I know for Prince of Egypt, like he wanted to do like typical, like dancing sphinxes and things like that. But Spielberg was like, I don't think that's, you can do this with this kind of movie. You have to like rein it in a little bit. And so I'm, I'm just wondering if they were like keeping each other in check. You know, well, I don't know. I I don't think Je- Jeffrey Katzenberg was really the guy who was out there like taking tons of risk and everything like that. I mean, yeah. he was the one who wanted to get rid of part of your world from Little Mermaid. Mm. So <laughs> that would have been smart. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. That, just yeah. Yeah, but That's I a- mean, it's important. Like you got to feel a little bit bad for uh, Disney in the sense of that they they've had this has been a a they've continually had their animators getting poached and then and and then for their competition new startup competition whether it was don bluth or yeah in the 80s or jeffrey katzenberg in the 90s (laughs) yeah i guess uh we'll see if uh john lasseter is able to make something of it uh in this decade but (laughs) yeah the same same kind of thing you know you wonder because clearly people have left Disney to go work for Lasseter. So, yeah. Um, mm, interesting. Skydance. So anyway, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, I think there's probably a lot that I don't know, you know, of, of, of the inner workings of DreamWorks and all these, and these other places too. But all we've got are these, are these films. And so the challenge for us, uh, for our listeners, uh, <laughs> to let, let them know is what it was we were going to all – Watch, make sure we've seen all of the DreamWorks animated features mm-hmm. and then uh, rank them. And then in this podcast, we're going to discuss our bottom five and then our top five. So yeah. for the bot, so the number I have is that there's a total of 43 yeah. animated features. And I think we were all in agreement with that, right? Total. Yes. Which includes the brand new uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish film, which right? yes. just got released um, in December. Uh, and so that means then let's start talking then about our bottom five, which would mean <laughs> numbers 39 through 43. Does that sound right? We'll just start with, with, right. uh, with our number 39, yeah. technically, technically, you know, the bottom five. Right. <laughs> so we'll stop. We'll start at the top of the bottom five. Does that sound all right? <laughs> sure. <That> sounds good. <laughs> okay. So Rachel, let's start, let's start with you. What do you have? Uh, technically at number 39 or just, you know, get to the top of your bottom five. Well, unlike Darren, I did not have time to rewatch these movies or the patients. Uh, so I was going from memory, (laughs) 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 but all of these, like I say, took me to a dark place. I really stuck all five of these movies. Uh, at 39, I have a boss baby family business. Uh, and I just really dislike this whole Boss Baby franchise. I uh, I dislike the whole concept of like these babies being born without mother to love them. Hmm. This whole like mini kind of Donald Trump baby <laughs> it was just bizarre. You even have his SNL actor doing the voice you know this the first one came out in 2017 um so then the second one is like slightly better because i do like the the little girl 
uh, that, uh, that when that's about 20 minutes of the plot, mm-hmm. but I hated the Jeff Goldblum, Goldberg, um, Goldblum, um, I hated the Jeff Goldblum uh, villain. It was terrible. Mm. And I just hate these movies. I think they're terrible. <laughs> Don't like, I mean, I feel like that's the bottom rung of humor is like baby humor, mm. you know, and like toilet humor. And that's basically what you have here. <laughs> well said, Rach. I'll be, I'll be re- repeating some of that shortly. <laughs> How about you, Darren? What do you have? What do you have? Well, I'm sorry. I always go on these tangents. Like originally, I had Boss Babies as my as my bottom, but then for some reason, I switched it. And I think just psychically, I knew that Rachel was going to pick these, and so <laughs> I, I also wanted to talk about the Trolls movies. So, like the Boss Baby ones and the Trolls and the Crudes, like I I mix them up. Like they both count. Like they're in the same spot on my list because I, I they're both the same. Like they're all the same. You know, like Trolls is the same as the second one. Boss Baby two is the same as the first. So I've got trolls. I'm kind of cheating. I've got trolls as my 38 and my 39, the trolls and trolls world tour. It's just, it's not for me. Like uh, boss baby is a little more offensive, Rachel, like you said, but trolls (laughs) is just, it's the jukebox musical, but it's an animated form. And so there's just the the barest essential of a plot, like with all these songs and all I'm doing is just rolling my eyes whenever for like these two, three minute, like sequences of these songs with all these colors. And I'm like, this is, it's not for me. It's not like super terrible. It's just like, I, I literally can be doing anything else right now. (laughs) They're very low for me as well. Both of them. And like the second one, like makes no sense. Yeah. They divide these worlds into different music. And so for some reason, the rock music is bad, which I don't know why we're kind of <laughs> doing that. But, uh, but you think the ending, they're all going to combine together and like all sing together. Right? No, yeah, well, <laughs> that's not the ending. <laughs> like, what? what are we teaching? I, it was bizarre. Yeah. Just, just strange. Oh. They get the slight bump over the boss babies for me, just because I do think the animation's kind of cool, the way it looks like felt. Yeah. Um, yeah. and also because I do like some of the songs. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I just wanted to be sure that I talked about trolls. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. They're bad. They're really bad. <laughs> not, not my thing. Mm-hmm. I'll be talking both about Charles and Boss Baby in this, in this <laughs> of the program. But for my 39, I have um, B movie. Mm. Yeah, I have that at 38, so not far off. Yeah, it's pretty low. You know, I remember being pretty excited because I like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, and I, and I really mm. uh, I was a fan of the Seinfeld sitcom and thought this could be promising, you know, with him. Work, working with DreamWorks and holy cow, what a train wreck. I just think it was just an absolutely horrible movie. Horrible story. I thought the animation was very, you know, uninteresting and just ugly. And I just so couldn't wait for it to be over. I just was There's... pure torture. <laughs> There's a huge section of it where B is in a B is in love with Renee Zellweger. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I, I think the what problem with the... B movie is we're going to be talking about this a lot. I don't know who this is for. Like if it's an exactly, you, you can look at anime uh, Miyazaki movies and know exactly. Like kids can be just as swept away as adults, and there's no like it's all of a piece. But these ones, I don't know who this because B movie is not for kids. Like there's just I feel like. I don't know how you guys feel about the Seinfeld finale, but a lot of people felt like they were being trolled. Like they sat through nine seasons of the show. And then the last episode was just like, Oh, you guys are idiots for liking these show. This, like in the show, these people are all 
terrible people and you're rooting yeah. for these terrible and so that just it that feels like what b movie is it's like it's mm-hmm. making fun of you for sitting down and watching an animated movie it's just it's, yeah it's yeah. weird yeah it's, it's so true it's not great that's no. for sure i where mean it have, is it's where a do you have b movie darren is it in uh well, I don't have a them. Like gr- a higher group. <laughs> when I did this, these rankings, and again, I, I mentioned it to you guys off air, but like, I hate rank. Like, I'm not a rankings person. I can't do it. But I respect the two of you so much. <laughs> I guess that I don't. I didn't mind doing it for you. But how I was able to do the, and made it simple for me with the the Disney ranking we did, I had them all graded because I had a, oh, a project yeah. that I did. But for this one, I just separated them by uh, great, by good, by fair to middling, and by bad. And so it was easy to lump them into these categories. I have, I just have B movies. It's in the bad category. It's, okay. So it's kind of yeah. toward the top of the bads. <laughs> the only reason that I have B movie at 38 and boss baby family business at 39 is because I do think there's some fun world building of like the various, you know, hive machinations are kind of fun. Yeah. And there's some a- animation there. Whereas I just, even the setup of boss baby, I hate. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. these babies being abandoned. <laughs> I don't like it for this like corporate world. It's yeah. just weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Darren, thank you for explaining your ranking. I actually quite admire how you, how you ranked him. And, and again, I'm so grateful that you would be willing <laughs> to join us. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, moving on then to uh, to uh, number 40. Rach, what have you got for number, number 40? <sighs> number 40, I have home. Uh, I dislike home so much. much. I think that Jim Parsons character, well, I forget his name. Is it? Oh, Oh, his name is. Oh, I think it's so annoying. And it's such a depressing movie. You've got this girl that like her whole civilization has been like taken over and, and she's separated from her mother. And the big weepy scene is her talking about kids being mean to her at school. And I couldn't decide how old is tip supposed to be. Is she, because sometimes she behaved like a little girl. Sometimes she behaved like a teenager. Sometimes yeah. it was like all over the place. I had I thought, no idea. The fact yeah, that I Rihanna agree. is her voice makes no sense. <laughs> and I just hate this movie. It's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's I it's I think it's a horrible movie too. I have it like at thirty eight, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about that one some more in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you have at forty then, Darren? Well, for forty I've got Madagascar and oh, there's yeah. there's one main reason well, two main reasons. Number one, I think it's the weakest maybe Hans Zimmer score that he's ever done. It's just a weak score. There's it's it's fine, but my problem with it, and this is my problem with a lot of these DreamWorks movies, is there is a shot of uh, what's what's the lion's name, the Ben Stiller name, uh, Alex, right? There's a shot of him like dreaming about steaks, and it's literally a shot taken from American Beauty of the uh, I can't remember the character, like she's lying in a, a field of roses, like naked, right? Yeah, and they they copy this shot. And I remember sitting in a theater like, and again, this is maybe me being a parent, but I remember me sitting in that theater being so offended and turned off by this movie because I'm like, do these people realize that they are aping a shot from a movie about a middle-aged man that dreams about sleeping with an underage high school girl? Do they realize that's what they're aping here and trying to be funny with? I just, I I do not understand. I don't understand it. Yeah. You know. Uh, I hear what you're saying because I just just as you, you alluded to, 
these are, I really wonder who the audience is because it, it often seems so really inappropriate for young children. Like they're not going to, and even the, not in, in addition to being inappropriate, sometimes, sometimes you're like, would the even little kids like it? You know, yeah. that's the one thing I'm not, I'm not sure about, but then it's sure not for, yeah, it's sure not for me. I'm with, uh, I'm with you on that. Anything else about Madagascar Dare you want to mention? Well, it's just, well, it's a meandering movie. I know that it's not quite as like, as a whole, it's not quite as bad as like a boss baby or anything. I just think that it's the epitome of what DreamWorks shouldn't be doing. Why are you aping these R-rated movies? Like, because that's not for kids, obviously. And we can have an argument about like what's appropriate, not appropriate for kids. But I just, that's a huge turnoff for me, especially with that movie that they're aping. Uh, I, I, it's, it's just not great, especially when you compare it to the other two, which are a little bit, well, the second one, a little bit better than the third one, a little bit better than that, but it's just, well, and I think at least these first two Madagascar movies, the animation is terrible. Yeah. The way that the characters look really like, uh, disproportionate and weird. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have them all sort of standing, which looks strange anyway, because they're animals. Uh, but it just, the animation is bad in these movies. Well, controversially, it kind of looks like Shrek, where you look at Shrek now, it looks like it's still rendering. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. It doesn't uh, look complete or as gorgeous. And yeah, they have the, um, uh, the uh, crap, I can't, what's the name of the, who plays the lemur in the Madagascar movies? Dang it. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, he's funny. The penguins are funny, but like, it, I still have the other two that I can watch instead. You know what I mean? I don't have to watch them in this one. Yeah. I, this is, I have it at 34, so pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my review, I just, I wrote, uh, I was pretty underwhelmed by Madagascar. The animation was bad. The story was pedestrian and boring. Yeah. The characters are very predictable and bland. Uh, it is certainly shocking. Something so mediocre inspired three sequels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Well said. <laughs> I, I have it at I have Madagascar, Madagascar two, and the Penguins of Madagascar all kind of lumped together and like mm-hmm. starting at number thirty. But it, it was hard. I kind of wanted to put it lower, but then there was other films <laughs> that I hated more. Well, so, sorry uh, to give on a little bit of a tangent here, but I know Rachel, you said in uh, Boss Baby Family Business, the Jeff Goldblum character, the way that he's animated reminds me of how the John Malkovich squid is animated in the Penguins of Madagascar. Yeah. I don't know. If yes. It's, it's just very, I think they just use the same model because the Goldblum character moves the same way. And I'm like, Ugh, what is this? Like, why yeah. is this baby moving like that? I don't know. Just <laughs> strange. Yeah. Yep. It's not great. It's yeah. not great. Nope. So <laughs> for me at number 40, I hope you'll indulge me in this friends, but what I did, I, it's a tie. It's <laughs> Charles and Charles world tour. I just, well, I had mine tied. So yeah, you're yeah. Good. Because <laughs> uh, hideous, you know. I just, I, I mean, I almost took a picture of my face to send to you both as I was suffering. <laughs> I, these are some of the films that I've avoided, <laughs> and so I, you know, I finally, you know, watched them, and oh my goodness, oh, I just hated them so much. And again, the whole time I was thinking, who is this movie for? You know, is, yeah. is a little kid going to enjoy it with the, you know, maybe with the bright colors, or whatever, but. The first one with that really weird, I mean, it's not even a subplot. It's kind of like the main plot with that Cinderella story. Yeah. yeah. And well, then, it's, also, it's kind of a Pygmalion sort of yeah. story, too. And right. then um, Troll's World Tour, the whole, like, yeah, the Troll World was guitar strings. You know, that's how, anyway. Um, I thought it was just going to be a vehicle, you know, for 
different genres of music. And I guess in a way it was, but what a cruddy story. And, um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I was well, my kids, like they, they watch it, but I don't know if they're just when the songs come up, they're like, they, it's entertaining because, Oh, yes. I know this song and the trolls yeah. are singing it. But what, what is, I, I have a hard time with these like ranking animated things. Cause I know that kids like how, like, how are you supposed to rank those? Like how I approach them or how kids approach them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. At the end, it, it comes down to how I approach them with the Trolls movie. It's like, this is not, I can't, I need to be doing something else right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I said in my, um, uh, my, my review for Trolls a World Tour is very long and in detail, if anyone wants to read it. Oh. But it's, uh, I said that, uh, that uh, the, uh, the message is still, you have to think like everyone else or there's a problem. And I don't like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You have to like what everybody else likes. You have to like the music that everybody else likes. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. And I think that's, and that was actually kind of the same message in the first one. Yeah. That you have to behave like everybody else. There's nothing wrong with what Branch is doing. Except for it's not like what everybody else is doing. Right. And the second one, you become what, a, like a rock zombie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the rock zombie stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Miss, yeah. Mr. Holland would be very disappointed <laughs> in the way these movies teach you about music. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Rachel, what have you got at 41? 41, I have Boss Baby. (laughs) Rinse and repeat what I already said. I hate the world building. I hate the characters. They're so annoying. They just fight the whole time. And I I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get what's funny. Uh, I feel like it was because it was 2017. Everyone was laughing at baby Donald Trump jokes. But uh, that was never my thing. (laughs) But you put together like a multi-million dollar movie because of Donald Trump jokes? I don't. Baby like, Donald Trump jokes, yeah, what even is worse. The second one at least has that part. It's the when you want to sing, if you want to sing out, sing out. When the mm-hmm. uh, James yeah, Marsden is singing. Yeah, the little girl. Yeah, that one part is cute. great. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, I'm with you. I don't. Well, the second one is more of a, like, there's a chase scene, but they're trying to get to school. And it's just, just sensation yeah. for sensation's sake. And I'm like, what? why do I need this whole thing? Why can't they just drive to school? <laughs> I know. It's strange. It's yeah. so strange. I don't get it. I think one of the things that's, that I find the, that just really freaks me out the most is they made a sequel. Yeah. Like yeah. Boss Baby. Yeah. And he got what nominated else? for an Academy Award. Like, for crying what, out. what is wrong? What is wrong with the world? <laughs> they could have nominated your name and they nominated Boss Baby. Boss Baby. Know. Really? Oh yeah. my gosh! Well, I, I know that's particularly <laughs> offensive to you, Rachel. Yes. I didn't realize that. Uh, yes, I have the Boss Babies as thirty six and thirty seven, so they're right above. And if I had to, they're probably about equal with the Trolls movies. It's just atrocious. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, they're they're atrocious. All right, Darren, what have you got at forty one then? Well, I said we'd be talking about it. It's it, Home is my forty. It's I. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I just first of all, no offense to Jim Parsons, but I don't like him. <laughs> I don't think I like him. I'm not saying I don't like him as a person, but like his his comedy persona is not my other than showing up as a Muppet. <laughs> other than that, like I really haven't enjoyed him. And so seeing him as the like building his whole the whole movie around his personality is just not for me. And then it's also the it's so bright and colorful to the point where it's like, get this out of my face. 
Like, I yeah. don't need, and the, the character designs are off-putting. Like you said, Rachel, the characters are very inconsistent. It's, again, it's just sensation for sensation's sake, where it's like, let's just shove everything you possibly can at these kids, and they're so stupid that they'll they'll suck it up. So Yeah, I mean, and I actually am, I was a, a Big Bang Theory fan, so I am a fan of his. I just hated him in this movie, though. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. Like, in that, uh, maybe I should retract that. He, he's fine again in that show, but this, I don't understand what the appeal of him is in this like raising yeah, my oh, yeah. arms in the air like i just don't care and like what yeah what uh, is that about please was, stop <laughs> yeah and then and rihanna i was just like the weirdest stunt casting ever you know yeah. uh yeah it's such like a bleak and sad movie it's just bizarre and the word boove is just stupid <laughs> i hate it <laughs> <laughs> so for me at uh 41 i have ants oh okay speaking of movies that don't look like they're finished rendering yeah (laughs) and i think part of this is just is just dealing with my jeffrey katzenberg disdain Mm -hmm. because you know there back in the day when ants came out because if i'm not mistaken ants came out before pixar's a bug's life just barely yeah and as I recall, there was a lot of discussion, and I don't know if there were any lawsuits or whether or, or what. But you know, Jeffrey Casper had a lot of knowledge when he left. <laughs> when he yeah. left Disney, you know, he knew all these upcoming projects, he knew all this stuff. And so, what I remember reading was that he had fast tracked this movie so it could, it, it, you know, a movie about a bug colony uh, that would be released before a bug's life. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't bother to. I should. I should. You know, try to speak factually because I'm just going off of my scary memory. But uh, I still. I still think. So actually, I rewatched Ants because I hadn't seen it for many years, and I still felt it was like it was, it was pretty horrible. And partly because I think. I, I mean, the Woody Allen stuff was something. I mean, the voices were kind of funny in, in a way. I mean, you know, Woody Allen playing an ant version of himself. And, but I think that it was, as you mentioned, David, just the look of it, it looks so unfinished. And I remember thinking just when I saw it on the big screen, you know, when it came out, it was just like all brown, you know, just like all I was looking at was kind of like the sea of brown. And it was really, um, it was an unpleasant viewing experience too. So anyway, that's, Mm. that's why I have ants, uh, ants so low. Rachel, do you have any thoughts on ants before? I've got a thought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, uh, when I watched it uh, a while back, I did actually give it a very mild recommendation, a C plus. And so that was like the very, very, it's basically like a six, I would say it's like a six out of 10 for me. Um, But um, uh, I, cause just because I found some weirdness to the humor and uh and even the plot um there's a ton of characters um and uh let's see what i can say i ended up it at 23 so i have just it like in Uh, the middle that's i've got ants at 23 actually so we're tied (laughs) that one is you're you're right uh stanford i i think the actual thing is that uh katzenberg went to visit the pixar set like and he he went under the pretext of oh let me see what you guys are doing and they showed him around and they showed him all the designs and then he walked out and was like oh i'm gonna beat them to the punch and then he designed ants like all around that idea and then fast-tracked it just to beat them to theaters and so it's a very cynical 
exercise in animation. It, it doesn't, the characters are off-putting. Um, the, like, again, the, it, the thing with DreamWorks, even my top, my favorite DreamWorks movie kind of suffers from this. It's that they are more interested, seems like, in casting big stars as opposed to casting people that are appropriate yeah. for yeah. the parts. Like if you look at Puss in Boots, the, the, uh, the Last Wish, there are some characters in there that are cast for their, their, the, just because they, they fit the characters, not because it's a star. Yeah. And yeah. The, the problem with Ants is that you've got Sylvester Stallone and Jennifer Lopez and Gene Hackman and, and Danny Glover shows up for a couple lines and it's everything's just built around them being the stars. And I think that is a negative to a certain yeah. degree. I counted 16 named characters with vocal work, which is Whoa. a lot. Wow, and- <laughs> yeah. Really character heavy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's a lot and going on. I said it combines eight different kinds of movies into one. It's all it's all times. A rom-com, a war movie, a dystopian, a road trip fantasy, uh, a road trip fantasy, prison escape, and children's movie all in one. <laughs> About escaping communism. <laughs> yeah, it's just, That's it's a dystopian. Just- and right, a Woody right. Allen movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's nowhere near as focused as a Bug's Life. Even though a Bug's Life isn't my favorite Pixar movie, it's it's head and shoulders like designed and structured so much better than whatever this is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. All right. Here we are now at 42. What have you got, Rach? My number 42 is another one that amazingly got an Oscar nomination. I have no idea how. <laughs> It is Shark Tale. I hate this movie. I think it's so annoying. It has one of the most uh, contemptible, terrible characters in the Will Smith fish. I He's so mean and rude and inconsiderate and uh, to the Angelina Jolie and the other, and Renee Zellweger fish. Uh, I, that, I hate the way that the, the fish are designed, the way they, they look so weird in, as opposed to Finding Nemo where they like stay uh stay flat you know and the, these have them on their forefin it just looks weird and uh the whole plot is terrible they try to do this like mafia story and i mm-hmm. just don't like it <laughs> they're riffing on movies that no kids have seen talking yeah. about american beauty but yep. you know all these mafia movies uh they even have martin scorsese voicing a fish mm-hmm. it's bizarre yeah yeah, what about you, Darren? What have you got at a 42? 42, again, it's a kind of almost a tie with my 43, but I've got, and Rachel and I were chatting about this, it's Monsters vs. Aliens. Oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 I get it. Like, it, it's trying to ape, like, the 50s movies. It's got Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. It's got, like, ants. It's got, like, Mothra type of, uh, not ants, them. It's got Mothra kind of tie-ins. Mm-hmm. But... As I was saying, there is a part where, again, why is Stephen Colbert cast as Stephen Colbert? Like, why is what kid is good is going to know who Stephen Colbert is? I don't understand. Yeah. And it's... there's literally a part where he to talk to the aliens. He plays the Axel F theme for a full from Beverly Hills Cop for a full two minutes. And again, I'm like, who is this for? What kid is going to know yeah. what the Axel F theme is? And why are we animating a whole two-minute section for this part that isn't funny? And then they seek into doing obvious close encounters jokes. They even have the John Williams score that comes in. The whole movie, the only thing that made me laugh is Seth Rogen's laugh a couple of times. And if again, you're building it around these characters, and that's the whole reason that it exists, I just, I don't get it. 
I don't understand this movie who it's for. I don't understand what it's trying to appeal to. It's, it's, it's abysmal. It's terrible. It's, I, I wish I could come up with worse words. It's just, <laughs> it's so hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. I had never seen this. Well, this is one of the three that I needed to watch. And yeah, it was pretty bad. I have it at 35. It is bizarre. You're just like, again, you're just like, who is this made for? I have no idea. Like, it's kind of a marriage sort of relationship kind of movie, you know, with with Renee Zellweger and uh, or Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon, sorry, Reese Witherspoon. Paul Rudd, right? um, And getting dumped uh, and her sort of relationship woes. And... Uh, you know, I don't know that just that whole plot line. I can't imagine kids finding very interesting. Uh, and the, the, the only one that I kind of liked was the, I think it's Seth Rogen, the blue. Yeah. Yeah. The blonde. Kind of, it was kind of fun. Cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I'd put this one off so long. Um, but, uh, I tend to not like these kind of fifties spoof, you know, kind of things, but get Stanford and I had talked about that before. So I guess that's why it's very hard to pull off. I don't know if any anybody really has pulled it off for me, at least. Yeah, uh, we saw this in the theater. My kids were just flummoxed by it. They didn't, uh, <laughs> like, they what, didn't understand anything. What is this movie? So yeah. <laughs> at least, uh, I know, Sandra, you said that you don't understand what trolls are for, the trolls movies are for, but at least my kids can be mesmerized while the songs are going. Like, yeah. It was a, literally, a, how much were tickets around the time when this movie yeah. came out? Like, like 10 bucks each was like, this is a total waste of Waste of money. <laughs> yeah. No at least kidding. the yeah. trolls are a little bit cute. These characters are just not cute. Yeah, yeah, it was a really unattractive movie. <laughs> I I have it a little higher. I have it right by the Madagascar movies, you know that I discussed. Mm-hmm. I have it at twenty nine, but it was I wanted to push it lower. It's a, uh, it's not. Yeah, I'm I'm Echo. I echo <laughs> it's a weird, weird film. And what kid is going to understand these sci fi references? Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, today anyway. Audience, 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 right? Very confusing. I want Dreamworks is trying, <laughs> <laughs> trying to do. Uh, uh, for me, I have 42. I've got Shark Tale as well, Rach. Yeah, it's so yeah. bad. It's, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> well, let's just talk about, because I've got Shark Tale as my number 43. Let's just, that's my worst one. We can just yeah. oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yes. I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it. Like, if we're talking about the American beauty jokes, like being not for kids, this whole movie is not for kids. Yeah. What kid is going to understand what a gangster is? What kid is going to understand, hey, that fish looks like Martin Scorsese? Hey, look, why is that mole positioned on the shark's face just like Robert De Niro's mole? Like, who? Uh, and then making the the Jack Black character, I know he's he's gay, but they or they don't explicitly say it, but it's I think in the behind the scenes that they yeah. tell. But he's a caricature of that. It's like if I was a part of the LGBT, like if I was part of that community, I'd be embarrassed by it because yeah. he's a, a stereotype. I, it, I I just keep coming back to I don't understand what this is out of all these movies. I don't understand any of the appeal of this or why they thought this is a good idea, like in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I also. I echo what you're saying, and I also I hate the animation. I think that yeah. the character animation and this is so unappealing. Uh, like I said, that way they have them sort of standing up looks weird. Is weird, and you know clearly you know fish can look good and animated. <laughs> yeah, it's and, a Bugs Life versus Ants uh, situation again with Finding Nemo. Finding yeah. Nemo is so gorgeous, and this is just ugly. Yeah, from it's stem ugly. to stern. 
Ugh. Yeah, I was on my mission film. when this came out, so I didn't miss much. No. No, you can be <laughs> grateful. Although, <laughs> oh, boy. After rewatch it, you have to watch it later. <laughs> I did not rewatch this one again. There was no way. Yeah, there's no, no point. Get me to watch no, no point. Yeah. <laughs> it's hor- It's a horrible, horrible film. Okay. So, Shark Tale is, is uh, Darren's 43. What's your 43, Rach? My 43 is Shrek the Third. And I, I'm, it's not like I've ever been like a massive Shrek fan, but I was like a casual fan, I would say, back in the day. Because this was 2007. This was before I was a critic or before I, I was just a normal moviegoer. And I go in to see Shrek the Third, and I just hated it. I was yeah. completely miserable. I didn't think it was funny. I didn't like the way that... Uh, they turned Shrek into this when he's a human. It looks terrible. And the whole plot, he becomes this kind of, um, uh, he just this negative. I mean, he was always kind of a grump, but not in the way he is here. Uh, and I don't know. I just hated what they did to the relationship, which Shrek and Fiona were always a pretty fun dynamic and a fun relationship, but I hated it here. And I hate the plot and I just think it's absolutely terrible. And because they, they lost so much goodwill for me uh, in this movie, I never saw the fourth one until just this weekend. Hmm. I finally watched the fourth one because I disliked this one so much. Um, And uh, yeah, I didn't rewatch it for this, but I left the theater very upset. Hmm. and frustrated that I had wasted my time. So well, I've got I, Shrek the third is 33 B movie 34 and then Shrek forever after 35. They're just, and again, these are in the bad category. Yeah, uh, it might I, not yeah. technically be the worst, but it had, I had it's such an unpleasant yeah. theatrical experience and it did so much for me in worsening my opinion of DreamWorks and worsening my opinion of the Shrek franchise that it took mm-hmm. Uh, a long time to to bring it back. So. Well, the second Shrek is kind of a miracle in that I, I'm one of the few that likes the second Shrek better than the first Shrek. No, I agree with you. I like the second Shrek too. Yeah, I have yeah, Shrek two at eleven, and I have this yeah, the first one at seventeen. That's looking at our list. It was weird because I think Shrek two I have in the exact same spot as you. It just missed my top <laughs> ten, which was surprising yeah. because Shrek is their entire personality. I think that's what DreamWorks. As soon as Shrek hit, like that was there, that was them. It was like the stars. It was like the pop culture humor that's going to mm-hmm. date as soon as you walk out of the theater. And then yeah. I, I think, but and I'm not a fan of the, oh, look how smart we are about being smart humor. I just think that's off-putting. And so the second one, just being able to lean into the funnier jokes, you know, the grinding the pepper in Shrek's face. I thought that was like, again, very clever yeah. stuff, right? But the third one is- Well, and the whole thing to do with around. charming is really fun. Yeah, it's fun. And Puss in Boots, obviously. And the third one is just like, there's no reason to make this movie anymore. There's no reason yeah. for Shrek to exist. It's run aground. It was terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. I have it at 33, too. Oh, and then- <laughs> I like how we're mostly tying in a lot of these. Well, I know we're trying to tie. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, uh, dreadful stuff. All right. Well, l- now that we've got the bottom out of the way, let's start talking about some of the good stuff. Well, what was your forty-three? Like Stanford, oh, my you... my four. Oh, so sorry. I. Oh yeah. I'm I'm, all, I'm skipping because we've we've talked about it so much. I. We don't want to talk about me. No, I, it's Boss <laughs> Baby and Boss Baby Family okay. Business that I put mm-hmm. as a tie. 
Sorry <laughs> about it. Yeah, because no, we're good. Wreck. <laughs> you know, so bad. It's, it's so horrible. And yeah. uh, again, I just couldn't even rank him. I just had to put them together because I just thought they were just they're just. One question about Boss Baby, and then I'll, I'll then we'll, you know, hopefully we don't have to mention it ever again, right? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's based on a book. Is and it? Yes, mm-hmm. at least yeah, that's what it says in the, the credits. And so I thought <sighs> I'd go to the library so I can find this book. Because, uh, like, what in the world? Because it's, I, yeah, the, and I mean, sure, there's plenty I'm of bad books out up. there, but it's just like, because I thought the I, I, the idea was so unappealing, you know, just everything about it I hated, and uh, not even oh. for me it, was, it wasn't even cute. Sure, I guess there's that cute moment moment in Family Business, right, that we've talked about, mm-hmm. but oh, yeah, Marla Marla Frizee, I think is the author, so we can blame her. They <laughs> 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 oh, definitely leaned in. You look, I look at the illustrations in the book. And in the movie, they definitely leaned into the to the Trumpism mm. of it. I mean, it doesn't look as much like a baby Donald Trump. That's good to know. Ugh, horrible, <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible stuff. All right. Well, thanks for, of course, correcting me. And, and uh, let's uh, let's then focus on <laughs> our top five, uh, which I'm actually excited to talk about to see. Because I, I think we might have some common stuff, or at least like within our top ten, you know, mm-hmm. or the the good category, right, Darren? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, well, again, uh, looking at these, these there's some that didn't they're missing my top five. That was like, oh, I wish I could talk about that one because I actually like that one quite a bit. And then seeing where they're ranking on your list, I was like, yes, like I'll be able to talk about that one. So, <laughs> that's great. So we'll just again start with you, Rachel. What do you have at number five? At number five, I have Mr. Peabody and Sherman. And this is almost exclusively because I think it's really funny. And this one for me makes me laugh. I really like the script. Uh, And I do think the animation is actually bright and shiny and fun. And I I do enjoy the animation. But uh, it's got this uh, script. uh, I mean, it's directed by um, Rob Minkoff and... Uh, Craig Wright, the um, the writer, I think they just bring a lot of humor. Uh, I did a uh, a review for Rotoscopers, and it was pretty much just all just quoting it. Yeah. <laughs> the like so many funny lines, like when he says that uh, the old flip flop bra we call him here in the underworld. <laughs> Boy, again with the plagues. Why did we? Why did we move to Egypt again? Uh, <laughs> And I like Penny. She's like, can I can we can it go back to an hour ago because I could take it home, pretend to be sick, and not come to this lame dinner party? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a ton of lines that I just think are really funny, and you know, getting all these characters throughout history, and their sort of fights with each other, and so I just it, you know it comes down to humor, which is the most subjective, but I think it's I've always felt like it was pretty underrated just because I think the script is so funny. So, well, I'm going to have to watch this one again because I, I have it in my fair to middling category. I have it like below ants, have it below the first Shrek, but um, 
so maybe I need to watch it again because I didn't rewatch it for this. But I I do remember it being because I'm a big fan of the uh, what is it the the Peabody's Improbable History segments mm-hmm. yeah. from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Rocky like, and Bullwinkle. And, yeah. and so this movie is is like uh, just a collection of those. It seems like a collection of those animated shorts, and so I like that. And then they tr- kind of tied in with the father son story. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I do, I do think it, it has a little bit of heart with that father son yeah. dynamic and. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's one I, I've been trying for a while to get Stanford for, for us to do it for obscure animation, but <laughs> he's not a fan. That's fine. I, That's fine. But, I really, uh, hate, I just I really hate the movie. Lines like, it's not fair. All my friends are fighting in the Trojan War. <laughs> don't even get me started on Oedipus. Needless to say, you don't want to be at his house over the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion, they get married way too young in ancient Egypt, or perhaps I'm just some old Giza. That's just that's humor to me that makes me laugh. And you can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, you can't have your cake. Yeah, right. Ty, Ty Burrell is actually very for that role. Oh, yeah. I think he's Love perfect him. for it. I thought like the voice him. actors were really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So even though I have it in my twenty five, like my fair to midling can they can move up eventually, maybe. Well, so I'll, I'll definitely revisit that. It's one. underrated. It and is. Rach, I just I'll just need to break down and watch it for obscure animation. Uh, with you, yeah, come on, Stanford, do that I for know. Me. I, can, I, will, I will. In fact, I will commit to doing that. But I'll just give you my gripe, and then I'll zip, I'll zip it. But for me, you know, Darren brought up that this is based on, uh, you know, the uh, segment of the Rocky and Bullwinkle show, and yeah. that was a childhood staple for me. I loved Rocky and Bullwinkle. You know, I watched that on TV. I mean, I, uh, you know, I am an old man. You know, that was just one of the shows that was on. <laughs> on TV. I mean, it was a syndication, you know, but it's still, I just loved it. And, uh, I was actually really excited when I, when, when I heard the DreamWorks is going to be making a feature about this. And then what I saw was not Rocky and Bowling Cole. I mean, I mean, it was not people, Mr. Peabody. And I mean, it was, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like they, I don't feel like they captured the tone and I guess I shouldn't necessarily expect them to capture the tone of the original. But then again, I kind of thought that they should. And then they added that little girl character. Like, what in the world? You know, I mean, sure, I guess she brought some, you know, stuff in the film. But anyway, I'm I'm sorry. I'm a little Mr. Curmudgeon (laughs) on it. That's why I haven't wanted to rewatch it, Rach. But I will will be open-minded because, you know, that's still kind of the whole point of this. Rachel's just half in a quarter crying right now. (laughs) Like when Sherman says, Mr. Mr. Peabody, I hate her. And then he says, every relationship starts from a point of conflict and evolves into something richer. (laughs) And then Mr. Peabody says to Marie Antoinette, yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) And when he says, this kind of wanton violence is totally unacceptable and rather uncharacteristic given how you feel about Mr. Gandhi. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I like it because I think it's really funny. But again, humor is very subjective and I don't have that. Uh, I do remember watching this shorts on an occasion, but I don't have the big attachment to it. So that might be part of it too. Hey, that's all good. Thanks for listening to my rant. I'll, I'll try to do better. <laughs> all right, Darren, what have you got at number five? So I've got Chicken Run as number five. I just think uh, if you look at the history of it, I know that um, um, Peter Lord, Nick Park, you know, all the um, the Wallace and Gromit shorts. I know that, how do you pronounce it? Like Pathé? Is that the, the production company? I think or it's Ardman. Pathé. Yeah, and, yeah Ardman. Uh, There was some kind of uh, a bidding war 
for like Disney wanted them and New DreamWorks wanted them. A few others wanted them. And so I think again, with the, um, the Katzenberg influence, he was able to grab them and uh, fund this movie. But, you know, I, I love Wallace and Gromit and I like the um, where rabbit movie, but it just seems with where rabbit, it's even more of a, well, it was an established thing, but now DreamWorks is just attaching their name to it. So it doesn't rank quite as high. I've got it in my top 10. I think where rabbit is number eight, but if you're looking at like an actual, like inventive new, like in what's like chapter in DreamWorks or trying to become like these different kind of animation houses and absorb them. I think chicken run is just so much fun. Like you're, so we talked about like with shark tale being like about mobsters and how that doesn't make any sense. This movie is a, a riff on the great escape, right? From, from the sixties, but it's done in a way where that's not its whole, identity it's not a like, parody film yeah yeah the the audience will get it like the adults will get it but the kids understand like what the chickens are up against and so it's not yeah. like you have to know what the great escape is to appreciate chicken and that's not what it is it's got the ardman sense of humor you know mel gibson comes in and you know, with the voice and he's the american like the jerk or whatever like it's and it's got like this marxist kind of attitude of like as, as long as you're producing like you are like worth something to the to society so it's got all this adult stuff in it but it's also got that very funny like british humor to it i just think it's got a lot of personality and dreamworks was lucky to be able to grab them for especially this movie i don't think it's mm-hmm. maybe on par with the wallace and gromit shorts but like for doing an original thing i think it's great yeah, yeah i, have it I actually five. have it at four so oh, okay yeah yeah and i i kind of hate to include almost include these in the dreamworks because they just yeah. feel so different it was obviously it was kind of a beyond, we, right yeah we kind yeah. of bantered about this you know should we or, or should we not include them in the ranking i'm glad we did but i i hear you because yeah they're not it's more like dreamworks was like the distribution partner rather than right well, like a, wikipedia yeah. includes them so we, we yeah have. if i if i wasn't <laughs> including them truth. then i would have rise of the guardians as my five okay but um uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really funny. Great lines, great action sequences. I mean, I, just, I don't want to be a pie. <laughs> <laughs> <It's one> of <laughs> my favorites. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I really like Mama Tweety as yeah. uh, Farmer Tweety as uh, as a villain. She's really intense, and uh, <laughs> so I enjoy that. I'm tired of lame villains. <laughs> Oh, the villains are good in up. this, aren't yeah. they? I mean, they're yeah, they're legit and so funny. The, the great see, I I like this one too because it's stop motion animation, right? I mean, they're doing it. They're, they're yeah. doing it. One of the gripes I have about Flushed Away mm. was that it was, you know, Ardman stop motion animation lookalike, but they did it in CG. You know what I mean? And so that seems so weird to me. Yeah, that, it doesn't uh, have the same kind of a tangible feel. Yeah, to that feel to it, which is so wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, with those uh Yeah, I love it when you can actually the... see the animator's thumbprint sometimes yeah. in the play. It's yeah. so cool. Love it. It's, yeah. it's a delight. It's the, it's just, it, it's so fun. And you've, you've got the stunt casting, obviously Mel Gibson, but he's, you know, he's still likable in that. He's, he's not the main that. person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got like Miranda Richardson and Timothy Spall and Melda Stoughton in there, but they're not like, oh, like Timothy Spall's in this. Like that's an, an, an immediate $50 million that people are going to, you know, it's not like that, but it's, I think they use their voice cast well, um, better than, you know, a lot of the other dream yeah. movies. Yes. And agreed. if you want to read something fun, I actually got to interview Nick Park 
a couple of years ago before early man uh, and talked to him all about the process wow. and everything and uh, for rotoscopers. So I can give you so, that link. Yeah, cool. please do. That's yes, awesome. do. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. Uh, most excellent. All right. So Rachel's got chicken run at number four. What do you have at number four? Well, did Garen. we name your number five? Stanford? My number five was Chicken Run. Too. Chicken Run. Okay, so wow. we don't need yeah. to talk about. It. Okay, so that yeah. again tying. <laughs> okay, well, if we're talking like number four, I've got Kung Fu Panda. I just think it, it it does suffer from the 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 casting of stars, but I think they do fit the characters a little bit better. Um, I'm not. I know you guys are big fans of Mulan, but there are some parts in Mulan that I'm just not. Uh, being a half Asian, there are some parts that I don't appreciate in that movie yeah. especially like it i don't think like the the beauty of chinese culture i don't think is quite gotten across in mulan as, as much as kung fu panda it's weird to me like why would a movie about a, a, a like a, a kung fu panda literally be a better like representation of what like my culture is i just feel like it's more enveloping of that and involves that a little more but i i like the idea that you know poe is this likable character i like again that it's an homage to these uh you know the karate flicks of the 70s but it's you don't have to be a fan of those it, it does help the action sequences i think are great because they do ape those the wuxia kind of um uh, uh format I, I and so being a fan of those i think that's i love that from that perspective and also something that's weird is they like during school i can't remember what they call it because i blocked it but like when we went to school like we learned how to do math it was like two plus two equals four but then the new way of teaching in schools it's not so much the answer as how you get the answer I, I can't remember the name of that kind of brand of teaching but like my kids were like confused by that this is kind of weird tangent but like this movie teaches that too it's like the um uh, shifu is trying trying to teach Poe the same way that he teaches all of his students and it doesn't work. And finally Shifu has to reset and to teach how Poe will learn. And so that's how he's successful with Poe. I, I like that idea of adapting like, uh, you know, your traditions to be able to suit the person that you're dealing with. I just think that that that's so funny. I think that like um, Jack Black has never been more likable than he is as a panda of all things. Um, so I just, I like this whole thing. I think it's gorgeously designed. I think the, you, if you want to get me giggling, like him fighting Tai Lung at the end, the way Poe uses all the lessons that he's learned throughout the movie to fight Tai Lung and just the, the exasperated looks on Tai Lung's face that Poe is defeating him are priceless. It's so funny to me. And yeah. so, yeah, if you want to get me giggling, you just have to sit me down for that last 10 minutes of, of Kung Fu Panda and I'll, I'll entertain you. Yeah. My favorite is the second one. I have that at 10. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Yeah. yeah. The great villain. Right, right. Yeah. Really scary. <laughs> I have Kung Fu Panda a little higher too, which we'll, which we'll get to. But I, uh, <laughs> I think that the Kung Fu Panda franchise is probably my favorite DreamWorks, you know, set of films. Uh, I haven't watched any, I mean, this is a tangent too, but I haven't watched any, I know there's like all sorts of series and stuff like on, Dream, on um, Netflix right. and whatnot. I haven't done any of that, but I think that the three films uh, are good, are really good. And particularly the first one. I, mm -hmm. I, I love it. I love, and I appreciate the cultural stuff you mentioned, uh, Darren, because I think that they also seem so influenced by the art and yeah. I, I just is gorgeous to look at. I think, uh, you know, you can, I can compare it to like Madagascar 
or heaven forbid, you know, sorry, I wasn't going to mention the, the, the BB <laughs> movies. Uh, <laughs> it's like night and day in quality. I agree. It yeah. is. And, <laughs> and that was another thing that I had wondered about with DreamWorks is that they seem to have, again, this audience, this weird audience issue. And then the quality really, you know, kind of greatly varies project to project. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get a monsters versus aliens and then you get how to train your dragon, you know, and it's just like, what, what, like, <laughs> how does this come out of the same studio? <laughs> yeah, um, I had that a little bit, like looking at the chrono- chronological things, like, yeah, you've got, uh, what is it, Kung Fu Panda, and then they slipped, well, you, <laughs> holy cow, you got Shrek the Third, which moved into B-Movie, which moved into Kung Fu Panda, which moved into Madagascar 2, which moved into ugh. Monsters vs. Aliens, which moved into How to Train Your Dragon, which moved to Shrek Forever After, which oh, Megamind, wow. Kung Fu Panda, like, they're all over the place. Like, yeah. where, where's the consistency in your quality? Yeah, that's that's really something, isn't it? So so for me, at number four, I have How to Train Your Dragon. Hmm. And uh, I, you know, Truth be told, I'm not a big dragon fan. I kind of got sick of looking at the dragons. I remember watching <laughs> the movies. There's so many of them. But uh, I just thought that the, the, the film was so beautifully animated and had a pretty, like a really good story with, with a good combination of, you know, comedy, but also of, of uh, real pathos and of, of, uh, of emotion. I don't know. It really worked. It really worked for me. Go figure. But but uh, it's I I think it's been an impressive series. I like the first one the best of the three. But mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't know. It just seems mm-hmm. like it's just kind of, for for me. I, I'm puzzled that something so uh, beautiful and meaningful can come from DreamWorks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Truth be told. Uh, yeah. I also have that at three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How to dragon. Beautiful. <laughs> I love flying and move in animation. I think that is so beautiful. Yeah. And always, uh, it always is a way to win me over. have a flying sequence <laughs> And it's a, you know, it's a basic story. It's basically a boy and his dragon as opposed to a, a, a boy and his dog uh, kind of thing. But with the kind of relationship of, of Hiccup and his father, I think, uh, is well done. Uh, the only thing I don't love in the movie is I don't love the voice actors. I just, I don't know. I just don't think that they fit very well. And uh, for um, Jay Barchel his voice with his father having a Scottish voice. It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. And, uh, and then you have Gerard Butler and American Ferrera. Like it's just this weird hodgepodge of voices. Uh, and I, I'm not a big fan of the voice cast. doesn't make sense for sense for the story. I don't think. What do you think of the dragon movies, Darren? Uh, we'll talk about them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. So we've got all of our number fours then, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So number three, Rachel, what have you got for number three? So I, I've had a strange dragon. That's okay. Right. Three. Okay. Darren, what have you got then for number three? Well, I wasn't sure how to do this. Well, let's just talk about my number two and my number three, since they're it's. I've got How to Train Your Dragon as number two. I've got How to Train Your Dragon two as number three. I oh, think nice. Okay. They for me like 
first of all, they're interchangeable. It's like if you were to tell me, like, pick Batman Begins or Dark Knight as your favorite, I'll like, I'll flip flop between those. And so it's the same thing with this. It's like, it depends on the day, like what I want to learn. What, what I love, and again, I see what you're saying with the voice cast, Rachel. What, what I like about the voice cast is it's, again, it's not, somebody compared, this is the first DreamWorks movie that not really cast for the, the, the name, the names. And you can tell that when they show the, because in the Shrek movies, when it starts the credits, they'll go Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, they'll right. show Eddie Murphy. They'll show you that because that's the draw. With this, they don't do that. It just goes right into the credits. And then like a Disney movie, you see who played them as they go or, or you know, when they go back to the cast. But it's not their main attraction. So I, I get what you're saying, Rachel, about this. I just think that they cast more for the quality of the voices as opposed to, um, the, oh, this will get us like an additional however many million dollars, right? But what I love about um, How to Train Your Dragon, the first one, it takes you on a journey um so to the point where so again it shows like hiccup as this ne'er do well he can't do anything right like he can't live up to his dad and by the end he lives up to his dad but in a different way where where stoic is like listen like you're different from me but you're no way less uh, respectable for being different right and astrid is the same thing she doesn't like him but she learns and she sees because you know hiccup is showing you a different way of leading right because he's obviously going to take the throne eventually but it gets to the point with it being such a journey that astrid believes in hiccup at the end you know the part where they're fiting with the dragons and a toothless grabs her and, and hiccups like did you get her and the the you know the john powell music rises and toothless drops astrid and it's a shot again a very dynamic shot for an animated movie where it swings around to the front and she just says go because she believes in hiccup and i every time i see it i start getting teary-eyed yeah because it's it takes you on a journey and she believes in him and you believe in you believe in him as an audience member i just think that it's so well done as far as story goes like you said stanford like why is this a how is this a dreamworks movie why mm -hmm. are they this kind of quality because of all the shreks and the monsters versus yeah aliens exactly yes this is a completely different animal and the second one I just love how the second one is like a rite of passage movie. Mm -hmm. it, it's so adult. It's to the point where Stoic is like, you know, Hiccup, you're going to take over. And you see Hiccup becoming, and again, with the first one, Hiccup loses a leg at the end. What animated yeah. movie does that? I know. Exactly. But the second one is yeah. all about, you're going to become a leader. You need to become a leader. And so he, 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 had, he approaches the same thing. He goes to see the, uh, the, the villain. I can't remember the villain's name. Um, but he goes yeah. to talk to the villain um, um, Drago, right? About let's not fight, let's talk this over. And so it's a different kind of leadership that he's going after. He meets his mom, obviously. Stoic meets his mom, not Stoic, uh, Hiccup, the Kate Blanchett character. And then it comes to the point, sorry, spoilers, but Stoic dies. You know, he dies defending his son. So that Hiccup has to step in and become the alpha in the same way that Toothless becomes the alpha in the end. It's the whole movie is just and even Astrid learns from that. She's able to talk to uh, the uh, Kit Harrington character, Eric, like she, she like has that same kind of leadership quality where she talks to him instead of fighting. And he comes around to her way of thinking. It's just a very adult for this for a second movie. It's just a very adult kind of mature story that i wasn't expecting i wasn't expecting to get so emotionally involved in these two movies i think they involve me intellectually and emotionally in a way that a lot of these other movies don't i just i admire that i like both of those movies i have them at 14 and 15 the only thing i don't like about the second one is i feel like they give the mother a pass for leaving yeah. her family and right. they're just like and i just don't feel like that that is realistic or works. Uh, I mean, I guess, aren't they going to get too much into the drama? But like, mm -hmm. 
I don't really like that either that she yeah. can just, I guess, leave her family and have no explanation or recompense for, for doing that in the story. You could say it's like a kid's movie, so they don't want to like delve into that stuff. Fair like, they delve They delve into everything else so strongly that you're right. It's like the mother kind of gets a pass. She's not as strong or as developed as a character as the, the other people like, mm-hmm. but maybe that's because we spent more time with them. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah I was wondering about that too, but that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, you know, when in, in, in the first film, when, when, when Hiccup loses his leg, just as you had mentioned, Darren, like I, in a way, I think that's what finally like hooked me because I just thought, wow, this film was willing to do, you know, to go there, yeah. to go there. And, and it felt so uh, authentic and meaningful too, you know, particularly for the relationship relationship hmm. between Hiccup and the, and the dragon. And um, anyway, I, uh, yeah, I can't, I just, it's one of those, I can't believe it's the dreamers film. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we're at number. So Darren, you're number two, then how to train your dragon. Yeah, that's your number two, and and, and three is um, two, or you said it's because they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah, you could flip flop them. Just, okay, just <laughs> depends well, on the day. Rachel, what do you have as your number two? My number two, and it might be recency bias, you can call it that, uh, is Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Uh, this movie <laughs> was my favorite movie of 2022. Mm. It totally blew me away. The animation was just outstanding. I absolutely loved just looking at it was incredible i thought i i'm i'm a huge sucker for this sort of into the spider-verse hybrid animation style whether it's mitchell's versus machines or this or or you know klaus or there's been a lot that have kind of had that sort of uh hybrid animation aesthetic i love and here you the action the opening action sequence is unbelievable it it blew my mind uh i absolutely love the wolf the villain i think is so scary there was when i saw it in the theater there was a little girl that was petrified and 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 there's something i kind of love about that like parents should know and be aware but like kids were scared by animated films for a long time and it has been so long since we had like a scary villain in an animated film it feels like to me at least and uh and so that was really fun i really like the creative touches of having this map that depending on who holds it uh it gives a different uh a path uh for them um the it's funny it's sweet it's romantic uh perito was hmm. absolutely adorable i loved that character um uh, very endearing uh, it has great action. I love Goldilocks. I, the whole plot with Goldilocks and her and the her mother bear was very sweet, and I really enjoyed that. And her realizing who her true family is, and I I just thought it was incredible. I've seen it twice, and hmm. I hope to see it many more times. Well, your the way that you approached it, your recommendation was what got my interest up. Yes. Again, it's it's weird. And I wrote, I tweeted this. It's weird that my favorite Shrek movie is the sequel to the spinoff. <laughs> I love, I love of the that Shrek tweet. movies. It's and the, so a couple of things with with this one, um, and maybe we'll be talking about this for a long time because it's that good. But it's not quite up there yet because I I have a hard time like it's so new that it's, it's hasn't settled yet. But I I totally understand where you're coming from. The um, that my thing is it's such a sweet hearted movie. 
Yeah. The the part where Perito like puts his like puts his having he's freaking out. He's having the panic attack, right? Yeah. And Perito comes up and he finds him and he doesn't know what to do. It takes him a while and then he just puts his head on Puss's chest and it calms him down. And I remember the audience, my daughter was like, Oh, like they fell in Fierce. love with Perito, like right there. It's and yeah. the whole movie's like that. And it leads to a sequence where like Puss is like he lets his guard down. He's like, Yeah, I know I'm I'm in love with myself. I know I'm flawed. And like, again, um, uh, Softpaws comes up and she hears all this. It leads to this whole sequence of like the characters being open with each other. So they're not just archetypes and caricatures of the the thing that's. And so I love that. I, like you said, I love the, um, the, the Goldilocks and the Three Bears story. I think that's all very sweet. The um, uh, Harvey Guillen, is that you pronounce his name? That's the Perito. The oh, yeah. Or, so good. Yeah, the actor. Um, who- yeah. And, and I, Wagner Mora, again, uh, they cast, he, I I didn't know who he was. And after a while, yeah. I forgot that, is this a star? Because he's so well-suited for that part. And he's such a threat. You're you're absolutely right about that character. The way oh, that terrifying. he's not a jokester. Like he cuts through all of Puss's like defenses, whether they're mental yeah. or psychological or physical. And he's the, 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 the whistle that he has. The, the reveal of who he is he's just a threat from beginning to end and i just and the way he's designed i think it's so cool like with the the scythes and everything he's just mm-hmm. such a cool mm-hmm. not a jokey character and you you take yeah. him seriously and i man i, I just, agree and I, and i've said for a long time actually that i thought that antonio banderas was one of the best uses of celebrity voice yeah. Four Puss in Boots. I said that even uh, way way back when he was first introduced in mm-hmm. uh, in the second movie, and I I think that uh, it's it's one of those things where you're it's not distracting the fact that you're hearing the celebrity voice. It just fits. It's the right voice mm-hmm. for the character. Well, sorry to not let you talk, Stanford, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> Puss, Puss is the reason that Shrek Two was so good for me. He was my favorite yeah, character. Oh, absolutely. In the, whole thing. the the Great. little yes. adorable stare. And I just, as again, he's a parody. He's playing Zorro as a cat. And it's so funny. It's like, so funny. Antonio Banderas, he's so aware of his persona and he plays to that. And it's so great. The only thing that, uh, that kind of uh, is off putting about the movie for me is it does have that weird, like, Shrekisms. Like, the, I didn't like the, the, the Jack Horner character. I didn't like that the, the cricket was doing a Jimmy Stewart impression. It was like a little bit too DreamWorks, if, if you mm. know what I mean. So yeah. that was the only thing that I was kind of like, oh, like you, you got the rest of this. It's so good. But then you cut, you're kind of relying on these things that um, DreamWorks kind of falls back on again and again. Yeah, I could have used less of Jack Horner and more of the wolf. I, yeah. I think that's fair. Right. But, um, but, but yeah, it's hard to complain when the rest of the movie is, is that good. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. You know, I, to me. I thought the movie dragged a little bit during um, the second act, but it is so good. And, and uh, between, you know, the bad guys and now Puss in Boots, uh, the last wish, I just feel like DreamWorks is on a really good trajectory. I'm very excited to see future projects from them based, you know, on the quality of these last two films. (laughs) One thing about the wolf, if I may interject too, you know how the, um, they 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 turn the uh, background to red mm. in that yep. scene too, and how and again with his red eyes, it just kind of adds to the terror, yeah. <laughs> you know, or just to the scariness 
Uh, but I just thought that was, they just made so many good yeah. choices. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think artistic choices that were so interesting. Um, and the painterly style of it, I just, I'm, I'm with you, Rachel. I just love it. I can't get it enough, but I'm hoping more films are going to kind of branch out from, from the very <laughs> kind of almost now standard CG yeah. style that we're so accustomed to. It's just so refreshing to see different things that really amp up the storytelling. I love it. I well, if it helps first... you at all, Rachel, sorry. If it helps you at all, I have it as my number six. So it nice. just missed my top yes. five. I well, have it as my number nine. Nice. But, but uh, I still, I loved it. You know, Yeah, I, I got a screener link. That was the first time I watched it. And, you know, I was just kind of going through the motions, going through, watching all these Oscar screeners, <laughs> put it on, and I just was amazed. So yeah. it was it was a great experience. It's the Top Gun Maverick of animated sequels. I kind of yeah, it really is. <laughs> it is the length of time, you know, and then the quality of the film, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I'm just being a lousy host. I forgot to list my number three. <laughs> so oh, I'm so sorry. Well, we're so, so excited, excited to hear to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry to j- jump back, but. My number three is Rise of the Guardians. Oh yes, yeah. And <laughs> I wanted uh, this is one of the ones that I wanted to talk about, but I can't. I love it. I love it. I owe this one to Rachel because um, again, because of my DreamWorks uh, grudge, I hadn't seen it, and and she pitched it for obscure animation, and really for the most part, I guess, except with the exception of Mr. Peabody and Sherman. You know, I'm pretty open to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got to let go of the past, Stanford. Yeah, I know, I'm we've gonna done, let it go. for Obscure Animation, we've done Rise of the Guardians, we've done Spirit, we've done Megamind. <laughs> yeah, and I enjoyed all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had seen Spirit before. I think I had seen Spirit and Megamind before. And I, Megamind, I actually have a number eight. I think that's a really I have a fun, nine. That one's not movie. bad. I've got Megamind from 14, so not, yeah, not too far. Yeah, so it's... it's it's pretty good, but, but Rise of the Guardians, I just loved it. Uh, I thought it was such a creative uh, story. The, the animation was, you know, the, the character designs were so beautiful, and I loved that they had collaborated with, you know, with William Joyce on it, and I thought the story yeah. was interesting, and maybe some stunt casting with some of the voices, but uh, still, I, uh, I just think it's, a, it's just really a terrific film. Well, it's the Avengers of folkloric figure yeah. movies. Yes. <laughs> you know, William Joyce, he he wrote, what, like individual books for each of the characters. I love that. Right. Um, yeah. You've got the Easter Bunny. You've got um, uh, Santa Claus. Alec Baldwin, like, even though he's cast, like, uh, you wouldn't know that's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I think he does such yeah, a good job. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, what's the, I forget the name, the, the Sandman. Um, just all these, the way he wrote all these characters in the Tooth Fairy to be like individual, and then he, this is like the Avengers of combining them all together. I just love that mm-hmm. idea. I love the Jack Frost. I like the animation. I think it's just very cleverly done. Hugh Jackman is the Easter Bunny, stunt casting, but yeah, you want to cast an Australian, so why mm-hmm. not cast yeah. Jackman? <laughs> exactly. I <laughs> but, totally agree. I think it's I'm, very I'm underrated. Very underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. My yeah, kids haven't definitely. even seen it. I'm, I'm trying to get them to sit down and watch it. It's just so, so well done. And, and mm-hmm. it's, I think it's my number nine. Um, that says something about the rest of my movies that I like. That it's, it's right there. But I do love. It's one of my greats. So, yeah. I have it seven. I have a okay. Were Rabbit at six. Hmm. 
Uh, yeah. so. Our top 10s are pretty close. I know, yeah. our top 10s are like, <laughs> gotta contain the same movies, maybe in a little different order. Yeah, but... I'm Spirit at 8 and Kung Fu Panda at 10. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think now we've covered two, five up to two, correct? Have I, have yeah. I, have I missed it? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking oh, our number my... one is exactly the same. Yes, yeah, I say, well, my number two is Kung Fu Panda. So okay. just, uh, I think, I, think I might one? have already mentioned that, but. But uh, yeah, you that's did. my number. Okay, well, that's my number. Yeah, it's number there, one. I think. Was there anything else like for Kung Fu Panda that we didn't talk about? Uh, no, I okay. think we, if it's for, at least from my point of view, addressed. How about anything else that we should say? The first one's that? your favorite. First one is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Second one's very good too, Rachel. I don't want. It to is, <laughs> and as is number three. I I, I enjoyed number three a lot yeah, too. I did too. But, but uh, yeah, first one is is one of the most. All right. Well. Our our mutual number one, which I think is <laughs> pretty cool, yeah, really, uh, is the Prince of Egypt. Yeah, and we yep. did do that for uh, obscure animation. Uh, yeah, so Easter, jealous right? that I wasn't part of that episode. <laughs> Gosh oh, dang it, Karen, <laughs> that would have been great. I'm glad we have a kind of a little yeah. be able to do a, a redo on this with this uh, discussion, <laughs> at least. You know, it's a little abbreviated. Yeah, yeah, why did you both pick Prince of Egypt as your number one? Right, we'll go start. With, we'll start with you, Rachel, and go to Darren. Well, there's a lot of reasons. I absolutely love the animation, and I love the tone that they were able to to set uh, when they have the burning bush sequence. It's so yeah. reverent, yeah. and it's it's basically how I imagine God being like. It's just as far as tone and feel, and just the reverence of it all, as opposed to you know your uh, Charlton Heston version with the big booming, you know, Moses you know, kind of thing. And this was, is more peaceful and quiet. Yeah. And, uh, and I just love that. That's probably my favorite part. Of course, I love the songs. Uh, yeah. are, it was, I mean, I actually liked the animation a lot in the plagues sequence, but the, um, uh, hadn't, they're the big boys now that one's not my favorite but no that whole no. sequence i i is no the one that's flaw. pretty that's pretty dumb yeah, yeah. that's the why we should <laughs> kind of the, take that out but even in the charlton heston one there's lots of parts that i would probably take out yeah i want to cut kinda, well, uh, even that part serves the story it needs to be in there and so yeah that's, that's why i don't that's mind a that really so good point darren yeah because i think that's one of the reasons why i don't just despise i mean i don't love it but it's it, it yeah it furthers the story but i absolutely yeah. love the relationship between the two brothers the way they set mm. that up i thought that that is beautiful and in, to me it makes sense like they may not exactly say it in the bible but they were both grown up as prince of egypt so i would think mm. that they would know each other um so i don't know i don't think it's like a crazy leap of of uh from it, the bible it, it gives the movie the emotional core it needs to sell that. I mean, he was literally raised by, you know, Pharaoh's sister. So it makes sense that uh, Ramses would know Moses, who Moses mm-hmm. is. So yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's that 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 wild, but I, I, I really like the way they did it. And uh, there's some stunt voice casting that's like a little distracting. Like, I don't think you need Sandra Bullock and Jeff Goldblum and, you know, some of that, yeah. but. But especially if you're not even if you're going to have different singing singers, why not just hire the singers? Hire the singer. But yeah. um, but 
that's extreme nitpicking. I think the whole movie is just peaceful and uh, kind of what I imagine when I read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the singing. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Well, I think the reason this might be our number one, like we're uh, at least all of us are faith based, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, or at least we're in a state that's that we live in a state that's faith based. <laughs> so that that might have uh, something to do with it. I just think um, just to get the negative thing out of the way I do. That's my one negative, like having Jeff Goldblum and Sandra Bullock and Martin Short and Steve Martin. It's a distraction. You don't yeah. need them. Uh, you just have Danny Glover show up to say two lines. Why not just have Brian Stokes Mitchell like perform the lines? Yeah. Like what he's a big enough star on Broadway. Why don't you just do that? Yeah. Um, but it's not. Um, it's not a deal breaker for me. I think they serve their purpose. Um, Ray Fiennes obviously is great. Val Kilmer, um, Michelle Pfeiffer is not really a a distraction there. So they do. And Helen Mirren, obviously they do fit their parts. I just think that if you're going to compete with Disney, this was the way to do it. It's 2d animation. It's very reverent to the story. They got like all the different faiths and religions and religious leaders to come in and make sure that they were doing a story that appealed to everybody. Um, the brother story is very emotional for me because I have a cousin that I'm very close with. And I imagine like, what would that be if we had, we're at odds with each other? And like, that's heartbreaking. Um, and like you talked about the music, the Steven Schwartz, Hans Zimmer music is just so powerful. The animation itself is so powerful. The, uh, I know in animation, you can do whatever you want, but the Red Sea animation, yeah. that part. And when they, I remember sitting in a theater. Two things that I love about Prince of Egypt when I was sitting in the theater. Number one is when they're walking to the Red Sea and that whale, that moment is so majestic that I could hear gasps in the crowd when I watched it in the theater. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I love about it too is it doesn't shy away from the firstborn dying. It obviously doesn't show that, but it's to the point where they're doing all this adult stuff. But I remember looking down and seeing kids in the audience asking their parents questions. And their parents had to talk to them. And I'm like, this is what, like, with Bambi, you know, going back to our Disney episode, like, it's it's teaching kids things in a way that they're going to be asking questions. And I think that's very respectful. And that's what you need to do with a story like this. Don't shy away from it, but don't obviously, like, shove it in everybody's faces. The Charoscuro stuff of the firstborn is just so artistic and gorgeous. Yeah. And you had said that, uh, that, you know, we could live in kind of a faith, uh, faith-based state, but like most of the time that's not served well. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time that's a reason to not like a movie. And whereas in this case, the reverent tone and the way the story's told is a way to, is it's one of the best faith-based films, if not the best ever yeah. made. And uh, what you can do miracles. Oh my gosh! Oh. <laughs> and the, the the plague sequence is is shocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, music wise and uh, animation wise and uh, vocal work wise, yeah, it's all yeah. it's so powerful. Like <laughs> again with uh, Stanford, you're talking about why is this a DreamWorks movie? There's so so many moments of pure raw power in this. Yeah, that it's it's just amazing. I'm in awe of this movie from start to finish. Yeah, I am too. I think it holds up incredibly well. Yeah, and and for which I'm grateful, you know. And uh, yeah, everything about this film is 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 just stunning. I just can't believe. And the, as you mentioned, I'm so glad you brought up the point about um, that they worked with a lot of, or they consulted with a lot of different faiths, a lot of different people. Yeah, which I thought was so smart because. It, it worked. It didn't feel like it was, uh, you know, that they were just 
checklisting all these different notes, whatever they got, but they just made it in such a way that it, it, it seems so true to the story. Uh, and, and that it just didn't turn it off. Cause yeah, just as Rachel saying so many of these face based films we get, I think are just junky. They're just, you yeah. know, they're just not made well. And they're just kind of hokey and they don't have the and, same backing like this one. Right. Does. Yeah. Uh, this was just, this is so lovely. And it even brought Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey together. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's still that song. As you say, that, that, you know, when you believe song, I just cry every time I hear it. I love it. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just it's such a stunning movie. And it's, uh, I'm really excited because they did a uh, musical version of it. That, yeah, uh, from Broadway, right? Yeah, well, it premiered in the West End in, West End. in England. And uh, unfortunately, it got shut down because of COVID, uh, because oh. of the pandemic. And then they brought it back and they just had COVID problems. And so it just got kind of lost in that. But they did film a pro shot of it and it's going to be broadcast somewhere, uh, mm. probably on Paramount Plus or someplace like that. Um, so I'm so looking forward to that. I cannot wait to see. Uh, and I hope, you know, it does. I hope that it is not viewed as a, like a failure, and so we don't won't get it on Broadway because I would just I would be out there. I would be flying to New York to see. Yeah. This. Well, the music's of such high quality. You know, yeah. I think if they put together a nice production, that yeah. would be that'd be lovely. Well, yeah. kind of maybe a tangent, but do we know anything about the is is the Hans Zimmer score incorporated? Because I think that his God theme is one of the most powerful things that he's ever written. I'm just wondering yeah. if that has been incorporated into the play itself. Um, I am not sure. It says uh, music and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, a book right. by Philip Lesbesnik, uh, features 10 new songs. So it does have some new material. Hmm. So I That'd doubt it actually. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, we have the animated movie, so. <laughs> I know. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. All right. Well, uh, not that I want to like kind of take us down from this from this high or this apex of such a natural <laughs> film, but I did ask if if within the forty three films is there one film that's probably not in your top five or bottom five that you could would consider a guilty pleasure? You know, a film that maybe isn't great, but you still enjoyed it. <laughs> so we'll start with you, Rachel. Have you got a, have you got a guilty pleasure out of the bunch? Mm. Hmm. Well, I mean, I do I like, <laughs> I don't know if you count Mr. Peabody and Sherman uh, as a guilty, I genuinely, genuinely like it. Um, uh, I guess maybe I w- might say Captain Underpants. I think it's <laughs> oh, okay. really, I like the animation. I think it's fun, a cute friend story. Uh, and um, it's pretty clever. So that, that maybe that'd be my, my choice. Well, if you're talking about like when I think of guilty pleasure, I think of like movies that aren't good, <laughs> but you like them anyway. Like, yes, you, you yes. can't really defend like them as being a good quality movie. But if this is my and I've, I've got it, my good section, but I think I'm going to choose Road to El Dorado as my guilty pleasure. I just mm-hmm. this, there's nothing spectacular about the story. There's nothing spectacular about the music, but I just love that Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh chemistry. 
Um, I know with animation, they usually record them in separate uh, rooms and they don't, then they patch them together later. But for Klein and Branagh, they shot them together. Like they recorded their voices together so they could play off each other. And I just think that's so lovely. Like they've got such a good rapport that that's the reason that I watch the movie. It's above anything else. I really like watching them. So, you know, I, I was almost I was close to picking it out too because I had I rewatched it because I had that's one I had seen so long ago and honestly I couldn't remember anything about it other than you know it was two D you know done it in right. a two D style, uh, but shocked you're like oh my goodness it's a musical with with Elton John music yeah. it's know? a Lion King redo right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, and I thought that the animation was really quite lovely in it too. Um, but anyway, I I picked Sinbad, <laughs> Legend of the Seven Seas, and there is method to my madness. I, I rewatched it too because again I, I saw it once in the theater, and frankly, I couldn't remember anything about it. In fact, I remember not liking it and thinking it was derivative, hmm. and I still feel the same. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, but for some reason it just kind of worked. It was just fun to see us kind of the swashbuckling story that that I thought was. I mean, again, it was derivative. Of, I think of a bunch of Disney movies like Aladdin. Uh, and whatnot, but it still though felt like it was kind of a cool homage to um, some classic movies, you know, kind of kind of classic adventure movies like Captain Blood or something, you know, yeah. something from the forties or fifties uh, out of Hollywood. And um, you know, I, true confessions here, I I love michelle pfeiffer so so anytime that's michelle pfeiffer. definitely something i was gonna bring up because her voice in that movie is like your the hairs on your arms kind of stand, oh if you're God. a guy like the hairs on your arms stand up a little bit you're like it's what so is this what true. why is her voice doing this like I, is this I, good for kids like what my thoughts exactly <laughs> anytime she's in a movie for me like elevates it at least half a star yeah you know, like i call it michelle pfeiffer <laughs> adjusted scale but uh but it was just she was really good playing that crazy you know that crazy villain that yeah. uh that uh was really it was really something so anyway i had well i have i asked my twitter followers what yes that was my next question rachel so i got uh, quite a few responses and i just thought i'd read a few of them uh so Lori stradling says prince of egypt chicken run kung fu panda how to train your dragon and rise the guardians Uh, (laughs) all good yeah carlo 2023 says shrek shrek 2 ants prince of egypt and how to train your dragon Ooh, ants. Uh, and uh and then christian pastrup he says prince of egypt kung fu panda 2 puss in boots lost wish mm. uh megamind and uh shrek 2 okay. um and then jacob martin says the prince of egypt kung fu panda 2 uh the uh how to train your dragon and uh the hidden world and um and then how to train your dragon and how to train your dragon 2 uh, Frank Henry Kofel says The Road to Eldorado, Rise of the Guardians, Chicken Run, Shrek, and Kung Fu Panda. Um, Titus Banks says The Prince of Egypt, How to Train Your Dragon, Shrek, Chicken Run, and Kung Fu Panda. Um, let's see. Austin Edmonds says Shrek 2, How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda 2, The Crudes, and Captain Underpants. Hmm. Um, Sammy says How to Train Your Dragon, Prince of Egypt, Sinbad. Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon 2. And let's see, one more. Ryan Terry says 
Prince of Egypt, uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit, Chicken Run, Shrek Two, Rise of the Guardians. So it's a whole bunch. There's so many Prince of Egypt in there. It's like, well, that's why they're following you. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Smart know, people, right? very smart. Oh, Rachel's got great followers, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I would what say about eighty percent of them had Prince of Egypt at number one. <laughs> Seriously, did they did they just not want to lose you as as, <laughs> as a follower? Because <laughs> you are pretty scary, Rachel. I wouldn't want to cross paths. <laughs> so. Smart choices. Oh, well, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time and taking uh, chatting with me about this and putting ourselves through both the, the, the agony and the ecstasy of watching some of these films <laughs> <laughs> again. And uh, well, I am uh, never ever going to set my eyes on a boss baby or a trolls movie again. <laughs> so if you try I to bring me back for another one of these, I'm like, I am not watching right. those. I'm with you. It's like, and trolls like never, ever. Wait, if Ugh. we do Mr. Peabody and Sherman, will you come on for that? Yeah, I would love to. I would watch it again. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I would love you, talking to you anytime. It. Yeah, anytime I could chat with you. <laughs> Very good. That would be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. So count me in. All right. Well, Rachel, where can people find your content? You can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes, except for Facebook. My Facebook is disabled. I'll probably never get uh. it back. Uh, so don't look for me there uh, but I'm also at Hallmarkies Podcast you can find lots of fun stuff there hey thanks and how about you Darren where can people find your great content well the only way you can find me is on Twitter I know that it's kind of going downhill but I'm not leaving I'm going down with the ship you can find me at, at DW Lundberg I've just met so many friends including you two good people so that's where you can find me we're um, in our fourth season in Nostalgia Cast we're tackling 90s movies right now instead of trying to figure out if we like these movies we're just tackling movies that we love and adore and so that we can have good conversations about them so yeah, please visit us and have fun with the episodes that we're covering well, thank you again. It's just always a pleasure to talk with you both. And thank you uh, for your insights and just, just for being great people. So great we're, we're friends. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present Podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Links are also on the blog. And follow me on Instagram. My handle is at moviespap, as in past and present. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.